good Sunday morning. City Gate Church and Pastor Howie Cantrell welcome you to this week's broadcast. We encourage you to tune in each Sunday morning at 7.30 right here on 100.7 WHIN. Or visit us in person at 734 Red River Road in Gallatin, Tennessee. Services start at 945. And now, Pastor Howie Cantrell. I am uh, I'm really excited about our service today, about the subject matter today. I have uh, been spending quite a bit of time researching and studying and, and just trying to, to make sure that I'm giving you the very best that I can when it comes to these subjects that we're discussing in Revelation. Last night, I, I needed some inspiration, and I find inspiration in, in videos, not TikTok videos. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm clear on that because some people find inspiration in TikTok videos, and I'm not going to go there. Not that all TikTok videos are bad, I'm just saying. But last night, I, I love to watch the, like the American Idol and America's Got Talent and all that kind of stuff. And, and I love to watch those, those people come on and perform, especially the young people that get in there and they're so nervous and they stop them and then they restart them and then like just blow the roof off the place. But last night, something very particular happened and I had just heard from from Samuel, and when it happened, I just started just crying. And it was about a young man who was a refugee from Africa. And he had come over here, and, and he had been just a very short time. He's actually went to England. And he stood up, and he went to sing, and he sang his song. And when he got through, he turned around, he was crying, and his father was standing backstage. And as he turned around away from the audience and he had his head bowed and he was crying and he just got through doing such a beautiful job, his father comes running across that stage. He wasn't invited to that stage, but he came and he grabbed his son and he held his son and he held him in his arms and he kissed him on his head. And you could just see him just over and over telling him, I love you, I love you, I'm so proud of you. And I want you to know today, before we get started in our sermon, that God is proud of you. And every time you stand up and every time you pray and every time you do something to make a difference, your father runs to you and he holds you in his arms and he tells you, I'm proud of you. When we make mistakes, he comes running and he grabs us up in his arms and he says, I love you. When we fail, he comes running and he grabs us and he holds us and he holds us tightly. And he says, it's okay. Try again. I love you. That meant so much to me today. And I just want to encourage you this morning as we start today. I want to encourage you never to forget that God loves you. There's a simple message on our sign outside and it says God loves you and I want you to know that today and I want you to hear it from me amen God loves you today we're going to be looking at revelation the lamb takes the scroll we're going to be in week 11 and we're going to be looking at revelation chapter 5 we're going to be going through verses 1 through 14 verses 1 through 14 if you have your bibles turn with us Get your, if you don't have a book, did anybody not receive a book that needs one of the Revelation books because we have some back here? We want to make sure that you get one of those. It doesn't cost you anything. 
If anybody wants one, all you got to do is just raise your hand up and we'll make sure you get it. Revelation chapter 5, the lamb takes the scroll. Now I want you to, to just for a moment, I want you to imagine yourself as John. As you're receiving this message, I want you to think about John. I want you to think about what it would be like to hear these things and to see these things and to be caught up in the spirit and look at these things because there's going to be some stuff today that you would have to be in his position to understand. And let's start reading. As I lost that screen, there it comes back. I am prepared. I am prepared. I think. I was prepared. I am prepared. <laughs> All right. I'm just making sure. We've got this. we got this. As long as these guys keep up back here, I'll keep up up here. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Sealed with seven seals. Now, every time we, we look at these things, we look and we, we say all these number sevens, especially in the book of Revelation, all of them are relevant. Every time you see this number, there is a relevance to it. It's not just there for just to be there. It is there because it means something. So what are seven seals? When it's sealed with the seven seals, I want you to think about the seven spirits of God. And we're going to be talking about that later today as well, the seven spirits of God. And we're going, to, we're going to deal with that here in a little bit. I just got technology everywhere today. I'm going to make sure it sticks with me. But when we look at the seven seals, this seal is done seven times. If you look in, in old movies and things like this, my dad even used to have one of these. It had his initial in it, and he had a little wax stick. And he would melt wax and he would put it on an envelope and he would stick his seal in it to say that it could only be opened by a certain individual of whom it was intended. So there's only one way that these seals can be broken and it's by the one who can break them. Only one can open this scroll. And it was written on the outside and the inside. So there's a lot of information here, but nobody can look at it until the seal is broken. So let's keep going. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? You see, the one thing that I look at when I read these things is in my life, I have had issues with feeling inferior. I've had issues with, with feeling like I'm not good enough. You may not have ever felt that kind of thing, but it's a, a, a disparaging thing. And as I was looking at this, I thought, am I worthy to even read this book? But then I remembered that the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to my life and that there's a blessing if I read it. And yes, I am worthy. So the devil tried to lie to me to get me pushed out of the way and I had to push back. I want you to hear something today from me. It's okay to push back. Amen. When the devil comes against you, you don't have to lay there and take it. Stand and push back. Amen. That seems like you scared some of you. 
What does it mean to push back? It means that you have a birthright. A bully will always come up and be bigger than you and try to demand something from you and try to get you to cower down and take something from you. I didn't deal with that well when I was a young guy. When somebody would come and bully me or somebody was bullying somebody else, it infuriated me. But for some reason later in life, I quit living that lifestyle and I started becoming a better Christian, trying to walk in the path that God had ordained for me and I had to be quiet. I couldn't speak up anymore. I had to be silent because that was the lie that I was told. I was told in order to be a good Christian, you can't stand up for what you believe in. You just kind of have to just go with the punches. All those things are lies. Let me tell you something. People were not martyred because they rolled over and laid down. Amen. People were martyred because they stood up and they said, no, that's a lie and I will not accept it. I will stand for the truth. I'm telling you today, our world has changed. You will never see the world that we grew up in. You won't see it again. It's gone. Thank God we lived in it and we have the memories of it. But what we need to be doing today is prepare for the opening of these seals because it is at hand. You better be prepared. I bring you these things every week and I'm talking to you about these things not to scare you, but for you to open your eyes. Open your eyes and understand that the time is at hand. Now, we've got a young lady that's going to be having a baby in a couple of days. Miss Cassie's going to have a baby. And I can promise you one thing. There is great anticipation on the part of several people when this child comes to being. Amen. Can I get one on that one? That's what I thought. I got a grandmother right here that's ready to say yes for the fifth time. Why is this important? Because the Bible says that as a woman travails in childbirth, so it's going to be at the end of time. These birth pains get closer and closer together. And the next thing you know, the eastern sky is going to split. And the Son of God is going to be standing right there midway of the air. Amen? So be ready. Let's keep going. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Think about that. There was no one in heaven, there was no one on earth or under the earth that was able to open the scroll or to even look at it. This puts John in a tough place. It puts him in a very tough place because he is looking with anticipation to find the one that's going to open the scroll. And as he waits and he looks, something happens to him. Watch this. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. No one was worthy. But then we hear this. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep for behold or behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scrolls and to loose its seven seals. Now, there is a powerful phrase in this. There's one word in here. This phrase right here, has prevailed. 
So what it means is that there was a fight that was going on. Something tried to stop something, but Jesus prevailed. How many times have we heard in this opening of Revelation as we've gotten to this point? He that hath an ear, let him hear. Every time we turn around, we see that we must endure. We must go through things. Hey, listen, life's not easy. I've talked to my mother and father quite frequently. I talk to my mother-in-law quite frequently. And I hear this phrase over and over and over, getting old is not for sissies. And as I got up out of bed this morning and kind of limped across the floor, I agreed. It's not easy to get old. But there is a blessing that comes with it because there's wisdom. We see a lot of things. We miss a lot of things. We miss a lot of people. But there are things that we have to look forward to. And this is one of those things. Amen. I remember when my grandmother passed away, my mom's mom. I struggled and I struggled and I, I, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around this, this thought of losing someone, this thought of losing my grandmother. And she was so close to me and I was so close to her and it was breaking my heart. And we used to have an old, I'm trying to get my directions right, that way. The old green bridge, the old river bridge was a big iron bridge, big steel bridge. And there's some people in this room that's jumped off that bridge. We won't say anybody's names. But they were swimming out there and having a good time, ski ropes and all that kind of stuff. And that's been going on for a long time. That's nothing new. But that old bridge had a bow in it. And you couldn't see both sides from one side or the other. But when you got to the middle, you could see both sides. And I pulled off the side of the road right there in front of that bridge. And I was crying so hard. I couldn't see to drive. And I said, God, you've got to do something. You've got to help me. You've got to deal with this. Anybody ever cried like that? Anybody ever been sorrowful like that? There's, your heart's so heavy. It's just broken. And as I began to pray, I said, God, help me to understand how this works. How does this transition from life to death? How does all this work? And my grandmother had a nickname for me. She called me How Baby. Now, remember, that was my grandmother's name for me. So that's where it stops. <laughs> and so she would turn around. She would, we were walking together, and we walked to this bridge. And it was the river bridge. And as I walked up to it, I was trying desperately to hold onto her hand, but I couldn't. She was trying to hold onto my hand, but she couldn't. And all of a sudden, our hands separated. And she was being drawn up and over this bridge. And as she was going up, she was looking back at me. And I was crying for her. I had my hands out and I was saying, Mama, don't leave. And she was saying, how, baby? How, baby? She was calling me my, the nickname that she had given me. And all of a sudden, she got about two-thirds of the way up to the apex of that. And she went, oh, how, baby? Can you hear it? And I'm like, hear what, Mamma? She said, oh, can you hear it? And as she got to the top of the apex, she turned around and she looked. She said, 
There's my mommy. And there's my daddy. There's my brothers. There's my family. Oh, can you hear them sing? And there was no release of turning back at that point. She had walked begrudgingly to the apex, but when she got to the top, she took off running down the other side. I'm sharing this with you today so that you know that death for a Christian is not a sad thing. This that we're studying, this that we're looking for, this thing that we are looking for, this thing that we are desiring is not a sad thing for the Christian. It's not a scary thing for the Christian. It's hope. It's a guaranteed life of what? Guaranteed that we will be with Jesus in heaven one day. Amen? Let's keep going. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. As though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out unto all the earth. Now, I wanted to go over this last week, and I had put some stuff in my notes, and for whatever reason, it, wasn't, it didn't show up on my screen. And I wanted to share something with you. If you're taking notes today, write down Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 through 3. Because this is where Isaiah sees the seven spirits, and it explains what the seven spirits of the Lord are. And this says this, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So that's the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Those are the seven spirits of God. And in those seven spirits, that is everything all-inclusive, the spirits of God. And this lamb is in the midst of the seven spirits. And you need to understand here, as though it had been slain, having seven horns. Now, what are these seven horns and what are these seven eyes? Now, I've been studying this and I'm going to give you an opinion about this. I've looked at several different things and I've read several different people's work on this subject. And this is what I'm coming up with and this is what I'm believing in my heart. Now you guys know if I'm, if I'm wrong, I will accept that. I'm just saying this is how I see it. What is the purpose of the seven horns? As I studied this, the, the way that, that the sacrifice had to be prepared was that the, there would be blood that would be applied to the horns themselves as well as to other parts of things that were around in the temple. But the blood that went upon those horns was to prove that it was a worthy sacrifice. Now, I want you to listen to what I'm saying here. The altar held four horns. There were four horns on the four corners of the altar. And then you have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as these four horns held this down, and these three representatives, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, looked down and accepted this, what we see is a perfect sacrifice. 
The sacrifice, this lamb that was slain that was in the presence of God was a perfect sacrifice, seven horns. The seven eyes are representative of the fact that there is nothing that we do that Jesus doesn't see. Amen? Now, I want you to think about this just for a minute. The Bible is very clear about something. He says, I will have mercy, God speaking, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. But it also says that I am just and I will by no means pardon the guilty. And there are people that are going to argue. We've read this and we've seen this and we're going to go through it again. There are people that argue with God at the throne, at the judgment, and says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He tells them, I don't know you. And then he says, the, the person standing in front of him says, wait a minute, stop. I cast out demons in your name. I built cathedrals in your name. I raised the dead in your name. I healed the sick in your name. I did all these things in your name. And he says, I don't care what you did. That's how he won in one part. I don't care what you did. I don't know you. Because those seven eyes are the eyes of perfection. You see, he says this, I am just, and I will by no means pardon the guilty. God sees us, he knows us, and he knows our heart. You see, there's a lot of things we can do on the outside, and everybody will swallow whatever mask you're wearing. Amen. You can sell yourself to anybody. You can be the best whatever you want to be, but nothing escapes the eye of God. Nothing escapes it. You see, what happens is we start playing games. And we think we're this and we think we're that and we think we're all smart and we think we're slick. But I'm going to tell you something. God sees it. God knows it and it's recorded. That's the part that people struggle with. People don't believe that when they stand before God that there will be a judgment and there will be charges brought against those who are not Christians. Now, as telling this, as I get into this, I want you to understand something here. There's going to be two different throne judgments, and we're going to get into that later in Revelation, but I'm going to give you a little taste of it. The Christians do not face the great throne judgment. Okay? The, the Christians do not face that judgment where people go to heaven and hell. Let me explain this to you so you understand. We have an example in the early part of Scripture when there is a story written, a parable, about the rich man and Lazarus. The Bible says that the rich man looks over and sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, and he says, hey, Abraham, he says, Father Abraham, tell Lazarus to dip his finger in water and touch it to my tongue because I'm tormented in these flames. And he says, hey, look, even if I could, there's a great gulf fixed in between us. But in your life, you had good stuff and Lazarus had bad. So now he's got a reward and you got what you dealt, what you had been dealt, what you had. You're dealing with that. He said, listen, let me go back and tell my brother so that they don't come into this place. What I'm trying to get you to understand is this. They were already in a place of judgment. Does everybody understand that? They were already in a place of judgment. Their, their holding places were already 
a judgment in and of itself. And so God is not going to bring you out of heaven and say, oops, uh, wait a minute, I messed up right here, excuse me. No, you got, we got messed up. You got to go. It doesn't work like that, guys. And you need to know that. Let's look at further proof. Jesus is hanging on the cross. There's a thief hanging beside him. And he says these words. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he says, this day will you be with me in paradise. Let me tell you something. I don't care what you want to call it. If you want to call it anything purgatory, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. You, you do whatever you want to on that. All I know is that wherever Jesus is, we will be as Christians. Amen? Now, that's the word. And so when I'm reading this and I'm saying this and I'm looking at this, I want you to understand that those seven eyes see it all. And the way that we get to be with him is that that's that perfect sacrifice, that lamb that is there present in this vision that John is seeing right here at this point, about to open this scroll, what we see is a perfect sacrifice that was a gift to every one of us who will accept him as Lord and Savior. And that's how we escape the judgment. Does that make sense? You see, when that blood is applied to you, your name is written, listen, it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Why is it called the Lamb's Book of Life? Because Jesus Christ gives us life through his blood. And it's in his blood that our names are written in this book. And that's why this is so important. Listen, I'm going over this and over this and over this, and I am not going to let up because you need to understand how important the book of life is. Because I promise you, there is a book of death also, which is a book of judgment. Amen? Let's keep going. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. He took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, why is this important? Where would the scepter be in the hand of the king? Right or left? It's going to be in the right. And that's power. You see, the Bible says, talking about Jesus, that all power and authority has been given to him by the Father. The only one who could open the scroll would be the Lamb. The only one that was worthy would have been Jesus Christ. The only one who could do it was the perfect sacrifice who was standing in the presence of the Spirit of God. Amen? And because of that, as we get ready to go into our next phase of this, as we go into the next part of this, we're going to be looking at the worthiness of the Lamb next week. Next week, we're going to be looking at worthy is the Lamb. And when we do that, what are we going to look at? We're going to look at this one as he opens the seals and things start to change, and we are now on the precipice of digging into Revelation in a, in a whole nother way than we have from this point to this. But I need you to hear me today, and I need you to understand the relevance and the importance of the one who reaches and grabs the scroll. He is the perfect one, the one who lived, the one who lived on earth, as a man, and the one who sits on the right hand of the Father, the one who stepped up 
when no one was found worthy, the one who reached and held his hand out, and the one who sat on the throne reached and put it in his hand, the Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. Now let me explain something to you so that you, you can wrap your head around this part of it today. The word says that the trump of God shall sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him midway of the air. Now, what does that mean? I had a conversation with someone recently, and they were talking about when people die, they just simply go to sleep. And I said, part of that is true. The body goes to sleep, but the spirit goes to be with God. This reuniting or, or quickening, it's called. That's why this body has to break forth out of the ground, because that's prophetic. It's prophecy. There has to be a resurrection, a coming back from the dead. Now, what about the people that are alive and remain? What happens to them? Well, that quickening takes place in them also. And they get their new body. And they go and they're caught up to meet Christ midway of the air. I'm asking you today, if the scroll rolled back the sky, opened up, are you ready to go? God bless you guys. Have a great week. You've been listening to Pastor Howie Cantrell with CityGate Church, located at 734 Red River Road, Gallatin, Tennessee. Please visit us in person for Sunday worship at 945. You may also see our live broadcast on Facebook and YouTube. From everyone at CityGate, have a blessed week.